Hello and welcome to Football and Grits. We missed you guys. We're back. We, you. Uh, we have uh, added a new member to our staff since the last episode, I think. Uh, he's with us here. We have uh, the spectacularly named Kennington Lloyd-Smith III, a.k.a. Kenny, on our team. Uh, covering Alabama, covering the SEC, doing a lot of stuff for us. You'll see him on Grits moving forward. If you are a Andy Staples show feed devotee, you've already seen Kenny make his, uh, his, his debut, so I won't belabor that. Brody Miller, I'm sure you're already tired of him. Um, both of you guys, by the way, uh, the swingy bats are happening this week. SEC tournament in Hoover. Brody, you did a very deep uh, story on uh, Dylan Cruz. Uh you, I believe the the tagline was the Lionel Messi of college baseball. Uh, <laughs> I did make a line in there that, and then they ran with it, and I'm not. So now I'm just like pigeonholed <laughs> forever, being like, "Didn't you compare him to Lionel Messi?" So yeah, I'm screwed. Yeah, there you go. And Kenny, you had a, a piece on Jayla Torrance and her uh, huge regional heading into the supers this week. Uh, Kenny, uh, we'll see what uh, you know uh, what that what lies ahead, um, but uh, we'll do. A lot of stuff, uh, a lot of SEC stuff. This is baseball week, but guys, we're here to talk football, not karaoke, um, which Brody and I we were talking. <laughs> Kenny, we got we got to peer pressure you into changing your uh, your uh, Twitter avatar to the spectacular photo taken by Manny Navarro, yeah. our Miami writer. I'm just uh, waiting our- on um, I'm waiting on album cover Wednesday. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Navarro, the sure our listeners know, photographer. Uh, we, we <laughs> yeah. had a staff meeting last week in Chicago, and pretty much the entire staff except me uh, went to go do karaoke, and everybody just brought the house down from what I gather. And I, who had a 4 a.m. flight, just had to watch message after message come in and just die inside. But wait, what did Kenny sing? Superstar Kenny, yeah, you opened up with Superstar. It's a strong cut. That's a fantastic you, choice. You collabed on a few others, Kenny, if I recall. Yeah, uh, myself and newcomer. Yeah, myself and Colton. Uh, Lions Rider did uh, twenty first yeah. music and Kesha TikTok. Um, it was like wow. <laughs> I mean, that song gets the place going. There's no yeah, argument. It was about. good. It was, it was um, good. Underrated performance of the night. Our boss Jill Faw bringing the house down with a deep cut. Ashley Simpson pieces of me. Very oh. underrated. Very not, underrated karaoke song. Like wow. That's how you funny. rally the troops. Pieces of me. Uh, Let's none of these videos will be making it to social media, but it was uh, we did have some photos. It was fun. Um, but we'll be talking more about actual football this week. Uh, I will say I did dedicate my entry to the best division in college football, the Big Ten West. I was sad that our Wisconsin writer, Jesse Temple, also had an early flight, had to leave early. Did not stay and wait for myself and Chris Vanini's tag team of uh, House of Pain's Jump Around. So shout Ooh, out to yeah. uh, shout out to Everlast. Fellas, let's get started. Uh, Vegas wants to take people's money. Um, and every year we have win totals that are very interesting because you can talk about expectations. You can talk about, oh, this rise or this faller. But these are the numbers that actually sort of tell you this is what people think you're going to do. This is where people are willing to put their money down of what expectations truly are for you this season. And we start at the top, the two-time defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. I, I, don't tweet if you've seen it, but do you know the last time that Georgia lost a regular season game? Well, I would suppose it's been <laughs> three years. 
Yeah, 2020, yeah. I would assume. Yeah, November seventh of 2020, the cocktail party, a track meet that they lost to Florida. Uh, wow, since then, right. they have gone 12 and 0 and 12 and 0. Obviously, lost to Alabama in the SEC championship uh, in 2021. A that was on the short list of most shocking games I've ever seen in my like career. Where I'm just watching it, thinking, "How is this happening?" Um, and yet it did. They got their revenge in the national championship game, and then last year, of course, uh, I wouldn't say skated through, but we're we're not quite as dominant, but still very very good. This year, of course, the number eleven and a half, which basically says, "Is Georgia going undefeated or not?" I will kick us off. Wait, wait! Me. Before you start, though, we should clarify oh, yes. our system uh, just yes, for those at system. home. Uh, Kenny, I don't even know how prepared you are for this part. But, yeah, we have uh, – we, we made a system because we want to gamble within ourselves. And we are do- we each have $1,000. I believe David called them saving. Saving bucks. Saving bucks. I like it. And then we are basically going to – we have $1,000 allotted to then bet X amount on our confidence level for each pick. Just want to make sure everyone knew that going in. But now, David, kick us off. Yes. I will say, by the way, Matthew C says the entire 20, 2020 season is an asterisk. You're not wrong, but also it was very hard to win games that season. And the fact that you can go whatever, what I'm trying to remember what Alabama did that year. I mean, was I that the Devonte Smith year. That was the best offense. Yeah, it was the yeah. That was like on paper the best Alabama team ever. Yeah, like I yeah. mean, and it's like yes, I agree. 2020 is weird. I'm never gonna argue that, but it doesn't change how good they were. Like they I will were- say, like people, like I just think like. To try to compare that season to like the NBA bubble is just like that season had so many unique challenges that nobody yes. had ever faced in any way. And like team chemistry was like a huge issue. And like it was that was a wild season. Um, we didn't quite get as many like what the heck results as you would kind of think. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know that I'm willing to say it's an asterisk. I think it's a unique challenge. I'll say I, that. I don't say that it's an asterisk. Yeah. Either way, I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to say Georgia. I'm going to go 50 saving bucks for the under. Uh, two things here. One, three undefeated seasons in a row just seems impossible, especially when, yeah. of course, you're rebooting your coordinators or losing. People can say what they want about Sesson Bennett. The guy was perfect for what Georgia wanted to do, played with a lot of confidence. Carson Beck, you're sort of hearing the, the NFL talk simmering. Yeah, the hype uh, is building. Yeah. I'm – I need I need to see it a little more, okay? And and I think ultimately I love the receivers. Adding Dominic Lovett, huge for them. Rara Thomas, I love those guys. Uh, huge huge upgrades for them offensively. I still, I just have a hard time believing that you can go another year without a clunker. Georgia, we've seen very few clunkers uh, with this team with this many pieces rebooted. Call this also. Uh, I've been in many arguments this offseason with Seth Emerson about the merits of Mike Bobo. He is much Ooh. higher on <laughs> he is much higher on him than I am. Also, I'll I will wait say, for my turn. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, and we'll get to the Tommy Reese discourse in a bit as well. I think a lot of offensive play callers and defensive play callers look a lot better when they're coaching Alabama and Georgia players, and there is right. merit to that. But I feel the Georgia clunker. I'm taking the under with some amount of confidence. All right. I say Keddy's up next. See All right. what he's got. So I'm going to put um, $75 on this. Um, saving bucks. Saving bucks, excuse me. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I'm gonna go with the over. And Let's go. I, I agree with. I like disagree, but not because I agree. I agree with everything that you said, and I do feel like Georgia is kind of due for a clunker, perhaps. But I feel like it's more so going to come in in postseason play. To me, this schedule comes down to the Tennessee game in Neyland, and. There is a question mark at quarterback for Georgia. I know Tennessee is breaking in a new quarterback as well, but I think Georgia can edge that game out because top to bottom, they have a better roster. They do have an edge in terms of coaching. So I don't really see any other potential pitfalls. Ole Miss, I think, is another um, tough one that people aren't talking about enough in Athens. But to me, it's going to come down to the Tennessee game. I think that Georgia can can edge that one out. And if they do lose, I see it more so in, in postseason play. So... 75 bucks on the over 11 and a half. Like yeah, we it. should clarify these are regular season totals. Yes, so the yeah, postseason do not count. Um, so. Shout out Matthew C for saying David Ubbin just said that the dogs are going seven and five. Someone <laughs> called Kirby Smart. That was us. That was us. Did yeah, I believe that's what bottom, he said. Did we ever get to the bottom of what that was on the on the on the field after the national championship where all these? I don't. I think it was Nolan Smith was talking. About, so they were talking about a seven and five that was magically pulled out of nowhere. I think. Oh. I think we had this discussion last year that. Georgia was both expected to do a lot and was also disrespected because I think 18 people in the in the SEC media poll picked them to win the league out of like 180 oh, yeah. or something like that. It's all pointless, so I need to remind myself, like, why am I trying to correct them? <laughs> but I'm just like, it's the amount that I find myself getting mad every sport every year about, like, Travis Kelsey yelling, like, nobody believe it. It's like, dude, you got everyone's ever The 7-5, and five, that had to be Kirby Smart's burner account uh, that was tweeting uh, that out. I remember, Caleb on, like, yeah. Yeah, I remember Caleb on Chase on the, old, the first round pick, the Jags. Yes. He would tweet, like, every week at LSU, like, nobody believes in me. And I'm like, I don't know how to tell you this. We've been writing hype pieces about you every year for three years, and you haven't done it yet. So, like, that's not me even hating on him i'm just like i don't think that's the issue um but i will be also going 75 dollars, but on the under um generally like yeah I'm, I'm probably in theory with you kenny that like if i go game by game i probably make georgia 10 point or more favored every one of those games kenny as you will learn i am sometimes obnoxiously a data guy and i think at the end of the day it's just probability for me that one i'm not it's just outright confident in this team as i have been the last two years just in terms of I am sure they're going to be loaded, but there is less security. I don't I I never mind losing guys when you're keeping a coordinator place or changing a coordinator when you have experience back. But I think we're, we're going to talk about this with Alabama, too. When you're replacing both like a lot of talent and coordinator, that does give me a good bit of pause. And obviously they're going to be fine. <laughs> like me saying they're going to go under means I think they go 11 and one. So like no need to get. Yeah, mad that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> but, but it is kind of at the end of the day, it's like, OK, you're at Tennessee. You're at. I mean, you are at Auburn, who I will get to later, but I like. Uh, Florida's tricky. I, I like Kentucky this year, even though it's a home game. And none of those teams do I think are anywhere near as good. I just think some point they trip up. So I will go 75 on the under. That might be more money than I should be because I hate putting much money on Georgia losing, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think just like this Georgia team will be very good. They're the best team in the country. I think mm-hmm. they got a great shot to three-peat. I don't think they're going to be as untouchable as they were in 2021. Exactly. Also, let's not forget. Also, let's not forget. They had clunkers last year. And I know it's a different thing. They were, like, defending chairs. People forget they were losing to Mizzou by double digits in the fourth quarter. And, again, I know that was different because it was, like, they're defending champs. It was hard to get up every week. But, like, they're still defending champs. Like, if you're down down 10 to Mizzou last year in the fourth quarter – and you're replacing your quarterback and your uh, and your coordinators this year, like anything is possible. Yep. Like 
So I, I think at some point they, they trip up. Catherine B. Uh, uh, yes, nothing trickier than Graham Mertz. Don't come at me, Catherine. Hey, they're still in the portal. They might add, you know, the next Heisman winner at Florida. Kenny, we'll, you will we'll get to know out. Catherine B. She is uh, our. You might already know her. Staff member. Our, yeah. She. We don't pay her, which I feel like is probably breaking a labor law because she has contributed more words to our site than many yes. of our writers. She is a yeah. legendary commenter, especially <laughs> the SEC. And she's one of the smartest people, like actually an incredibly intelligent football mind. One of the great, uh, uh, one of the great commenters of our time. Uh, <laughs> secondly, do we have others. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should uh, move on. Yeah. Yes, Alabama. This is one of my big ones. Uh, Kenny, we'll let you take the lead on this yeah. one. Alabama, their over under is ten and a half. A great number. This is fascinating number. Where are you at? Is, this is this is a tough one. For, this is a tough one for me. I had to pray on this actually. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to call. I had to call God for for some guidance. Um, so now you're blaming God if your pick's wrong. Bold strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Full deniability. I'm gonna go with fifty saving bucks on the under. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking. I'm taking the under. Um, Kenny's me, hating on the top. <laughs> <laughs> for me, there's for me, there's just um, there's just way too many question marks on offense. Um, there, it feels like there's one at almost every position. Obviously, bringing in Tyler Buckner after spring practice and multiple years with both quarterbacks in the program raises some red flags. Pass protection was at issue in the A day game. Don't know what's going to happen at left tackle. Is there going to be a number one receiver that's going to emerge this year? Are they going to be explosive enough at running back? I think a lot of that depends on if Justin Haynes um, starts commanding a lot of carries early on. I do think the defense is going to to be really good, but yeah. even though they kind of regressed a, a bit last year in terms of undisciplined play, really, really tough schedule um, in terms of Tennessee, LSU, Texas. I know they're all at home, but Ole Miss is going to be a, a tough one as well. So yeah. I'm going to take the the under, and I feel like it's a 10-2 and two year. I'm going – 200 on the under. I think if you gave me plus money on nine and a half, I would take it. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm, dri- I'm driving the bus right now on just – I look, I think Bama will be fine big picture. The talent is obviously there. But I think, Kenny, you hit on it too. People are not talking enough about the offensive line in general. Last year, that was the biggest issue. Tons of communication issues. They got got so many times by different blitz packages. They just got lit up. Bryce had to be a magician with no receivers. They still haven't really upgraded that much at receivers. I don't love that yeah. receiving group. It's going to be very hard. You're taking a portal QB in May, which is not great. And not only a portal QB in May, a portal QB in May who is not exactly setting the world on fire at Notre Dame, obviously. Um, it, there's just a lot of big things where I'm like, ah, I don't know. I think the defense will be fine, but not good enough to the point where you know, you're going to say, like, look, like with Georgia, you know, we've said this on the show for a while, Brody, that sometimes you need to be able to score 40. It doesn't matter who you are. Georgia's the only team that has kind of violated that a, a lot. Didn't have to, then obviously against Ohio State in the playoff, but like sometimes you need to be able to go big. And I, I you know, I, I think this Bama defense will be good, but not that good. Like, if Ole Miss hung 40 on them, would you be that shocked? If Sark put 40 on them, would you be that shocked? Do you b- believe that this team can score 40? I don't. And you look up and down the schedule. Texas, Bama's what? Probably a f- five-point favorite in that game, six points, something like that. 
yeah, around that. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to see – I like Ewers in general rebounding from last year. I think he was a little banged up. Maybe he rushed back. His footwork was terrible the second half of the season. I think if he plays anything close to like we saw him play in Austin last year, I mean – Texas wins that game. Texas wins that game last year if he doesn't get hurt, obviously. I don't even think that's up for debate. Uh, you know, and then you have, again, just a bunch of teams who are capable of beating you, like Mississippi State, Arkansas. I think Ole Miss is like the biggest wild card in the entire conference. Ole Miss, obviously, you're in Tuscaloosa, but you can still win that game. Tennessee, same type of deal. I think, you know, that Tennessee game will be a bit of a wild card as well. I mean, LSU, I think, is just a, a – better team like i think if you look at depth bam is better but that top 22 i'm not even sure it's close brody this yeah. idea that there's any debate i wrote about this uh i don't remember what it was that i wrote about in the context of but the idea that there's even oh it's the sc power rankings that there's even a debate over who the second best team in the sec is is wild to me so again i i just think it's this is a, a slam dunk here that bam is going to trip up and lose two games i think they missed the playoff again i just this is not your older brother's Bama. Like this is, I think, I think you're 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 gearing up for a a lean year by Bama terms. That probably means nine or ten wins, but just I just don't see a lot of guys that make you say wow. And I'm sure a few will emerge. I don't think enough will emerge. And I don't think you could put up forty in an SEC that now requires you to do that. Yeah. How many dollars you putting on that? Did you say two hundred saving? Bucks. Yeah, he's going big. Uh, he's been on this for like two years, though. It's like every time, every time David has like a hot take, it's something I generally agree with, but then he goes too far with it, and I'm like, no. Now, I if I align myself year. with you, I seem as hyped about it. I was on this last year. I said, listen, this I was with you, but then from you- the start of the season, I said this is unimpressive. I said Texas is going to push them, and then when I watched nope. that game, the amount of alarms that were going off watching the offensive line, and you hear all year. Oh, Eric Wolford. I don't know if he's going to say, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And you bring him back. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let's see what you got. The communicate. It's not a talent issue. It's communication because people brought tons of different blitz packages and they never really adjusted and they don't have a magician back there anymore. So I, I'm very concerned now because the idea of all three of us going under is just a 100% indication <laughs> they're going undefeated. Like, I've never been more sure of anything. Freezing, freezing Cole's takes is recording this as we I know. Speak. Like, we are just feeding the content machine. But I do think I'll go $75 on the under. I'm not nearly as strong on it as David. But, yeah, I just keep going back to – and you guys nailed all of it, so I'm not – I'll keep this relatively brief. But, yeah, I go back to my thing also, first off, return, like returning, you know, Losing a quarterback, a coordinator, I don't love necessarily the hire to Tommy Reese. Obviously, I don't know what that tells you about the Ty Simpson, that situation when you bring in a Buckner, all of that. But also, I just think it's worth pointing out. And I think last year, even though Georgia did win it, I do think one of the lessons of last year, and I wonder how much this is going to happen in the NIL era, is that the middle keeps improving a bit. And I don't think there's anyone that's going to be like other than maybe LSU and Georgia better than Bama, like just on paper. I just think you're at a time right now where there's a lot of teams that can punch up, that can get there. You know, Texas, they are not better than Bama, in my opinion. But I think they have on the right night, to David's point, they can go off for 45 on Bama. Uh, Mississippi State on the road. A&M on the road. Do not gloss over that one, as we've established. LSU is going to be a massive game. And LSU tends to play better in Bryant-Denny for whatever reason. At Kentucky, which, again, like not saying Kentucky should win, but I do like Devin Leary and Liam Cohen back to uh, at Kentucky. 
playing Tennessee, like two David. I'm just repeating a lot of what David said, but it's and by the way, ending at Auburn in the Iron Bowl. That's seven, six games that are like I think are football games. That's the core of this. Like, yeah, it's not that I think. They at most years has games, at but. most four games they can lose in a reasonable universe. Now you got like six to eight. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a lot. Not that they will, or and, the, and of those six to eight, I'm sure half of those they'll blow them away. Yeah. But in the, like three or four of those, it's going to be a ball game in the fourth quarter. And, and, and I don't say, think you have the playmaker quarterback, the magician, to make you to rescue. But are, you. Yeah, but the yeah. question yeah. is, I guess though. Oh, go on, Penny. I, I was I was going to say like, is that's not going to be Bama's offense though, is it? Like, right? I feel yeah. Like in a game, I think the Texas game is an example where that's a team that could score forty, but. They're not going to go into that game the way they've had in years past, where it's going to be give the ball to Bryce Young or whatever first round pick they have at quarterback and say, put it on your back. They're going to have to rely a lot on the running game and try to shorten the game. And I think that's, you know, that kind of where Tommy Reese comes in, implementing more of a balanced offense, going to be utilizing a lot of tight ends, trying to establish the ground game. So maybe uh, a Bama that resembles more of like the early 2010s, not that they're going to be lining up under center, but I just feel like you're going to see. Um, if they can pull it off a much more physical, complementary style um, of football than what we've seen in the last few years. I'm not sure that I buy that they can run it effectively enough to do that. Now, I will say the one, if we look stupid uh, (laughs) in December, I'll say the reason why will be Jalen Milrow's legs. That's the one caveat. That's the one caveat that I will put out there on Bama. (laughs) And I'll throw out there to, to bounce off Kenny's point. I think the other factor is just like, Sometimes we overcomplicate this stuff and think everybody needs to have a brilliant scheme and like them going a little more balanced than what you're saying. Like they might just remind us how talented they are. Like that can't happen. I'm just like, maybe we overthink this and that actually just reminds us because they're recruiting at an elite level, like going a little simple, a little, not even saying run heavy, but just like not trying to. I just don't think they can do that. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think generally I agree with you there, but Mm -hmm. that's the, we'll see. Yeah. Um, There's two teams at nine and five. I guess we'll stay in the West. We'll go with yeah. LSU. Um, Brody, I'll let you lay out all the reasons why. I'm going 200 on the over. I think I'm driving the LSU. Yeah. I'm going. I'm driving the LSU sleeper national champion. Uh, okay, you do this all the time. I'm going to call you out. <laughs> you do this all the time where you're like, this is a take a lot of people are having, and you're like, I am planning a flag. And it's like a lot of people have been on that. They're like preseason top five. Yes, but – no one's talking about them as a team that is that can go toe to toe with Georgia, actually win a national title. Yeah. Like I think they, like I'm just a big believer in continuity, and yeah. at all at all levels in all places. And I think people are glossing over. Well, Georgia's Georgia. They recruit. You know, they're a, they're the new process. They're the new Alabama. It's plug and play. It doesn't really matter. No, it does matter. It absolutely does matter. And I think when you bring back a Jaden Daniels, a Malik Neighbors, a Mason Smith. Harold Perkins, like this is an unbelievable amount of impact players. This is how you win national titles. So give me all the money I or all these saving bucks that I am legally allowed to put on the over here. Yeah, I'm going $100 also on the over. Um, I will like temper what you're saying while agreeing with you, which I guess might be the theme of the show. But no, I mean, I agree. I think the thing with LSU is, and I think there's a really interesting discussion here to have about what you're even saying about like the LSU versus Bama thing is it's a floor versus ceiling discussion in a lot of ways where LSU 
again, they have a high ceiling, but the thing that makes them such a good case right now is they actually, you could in a weird way argue, have the highest floor of the SEC just in terms of the, the continuity, like we said. And it's not just the big names. It's, first off, only SEC team other than Vanderbilt, I believe, to have head coach, both coordinators and quarterback back. That's invaluable. That's that's the thing we keep talking about here, yeah. and that's that's rare. Two, the, the second-year transfer thing, there's a lot of history of guys taking a huge leap because that first year you are just getting acquainted. Now Jaden Daniels, which you saw down the stretch last year. Yes, got the last so much six weeks of the arms. season, he was yeah. like and he did he, he did kind of go back to earth like the last few, so we'll see. I don't want to overreact, but yeah. that full offseason is huge. But it's not just like the names. It's the entire O-line's essentially back. Receivers are back. And I th- tight end's back. Four of the running backs are back. And then just added Logan Diggs from Notre Dame. I think – and that's, I think, where the high floor comes from of, like, I have a hard time seeing them winning less than nine. And then the ceiling, I think, comes from – I think the most excitement I might have is in that front seven if they meet their potential. They have to prove it. They have not yet at all. But people forget, okay, they have Makai Wingo back at All-American defensive tackle, and Harold Perkins is – probably the most exciting defender. I'm not going to call him like the best yet, but the most exciting defender in the country. If anybody's going to get Heisman votes, it's him. Yeah. You can can qualm with that, whatever you will, but that's the reality. Yeah. And then the other (laughs) thing that is Mason Smith is back, as you mentioned, Mason Smith, like I, this is one of the strongest beliefs I have is that if healthy, he's what Jalen Carter was, or he's what Jordan Davis's hype level was different position, but still like he's that special, the six, six, six foot six, 300 pound, freak with all the right like character and mentality stuff and all that him Makai Wingo Harold Perkins also don't forget Omar Spates coming in all pack 12 from Oregon State who like the buzz all spring has been off the charts there's a chance that front seven is unbelievable I am not like 1000% buying like I think if it was 10 and a half I might just out of safety go under so I'm not like all in be a really high floor with a chance to have a massively high ceiling so yeah I'm a hundred dollars on the over Kenny, where are you at with us on this? I'm going 200 on the over. I think that's the lead. Welcome. <laughs> I'm the conservative one. I love it. I can't, I can't lie. If it was ten, if it was at ten and a half, I would still go over. I you were so same. quiet that I, I was, thought you were like you. not buying. I, was still, I thought I you were just over. over. I was just internalizing what what you both were saying, but. I, I feel like I, I agree with you, David. I don't think that people are talking enough about LSU. And I watched that SEC championship game. And in my mind, I'm thinking Georgia's going to play that team again next year yep. in, in Atlanta. And everything that you both said in terms of the amount of returning talent that they've had, but then you add on one of the best transfer portal classes in the country to supplement some of the holes that, that they have. Brian Kelly it, coming into to year two, the continuity point. I just feel like this is a team that is primed to take that step forward as a prime contender for Georgia in the SEC. I feel like definitively they are the favorite in the West. And I feel like for maybe a, a, a casual watcher, people who are just like overlooking them, I think that Florida State game is going to be a coming out party for them. So it's going to be such a game. They got to stay healthy. Uh, they do. Congratulations on the trip they to uh, Orlando. I know you're looking forward to that. Two trips in Orlando <laughs> in eight months, man. This is the dream. Uh, Here's the thing, caveat uh, caveat time. If Kenny and I look stupid in December, it will be because of the schedule. We didn't hit on this. Absolutely. Florida State at a neutral field. At Mississippi State, sort of a wild card. You don't really know what you're getting there. Uh, at Ole Miss, uh, at Bama, Florida, at uh, Texas A&M. You got some losable games there. Absolutely. Uh, I, think I, just, I think I just believe in the upside of this team that – 
we I think you're going to see them be the most improved team in the SEC this year, and they won the West last year. So there you go. Uh, we'll move on to my neck of the woods, Tennessee. Kenny, we'll let you kick this off. Where are you at? Uh, nine and a half for the Vols. Yeah, so, again, another one that I had to call God on because <laughs> – the numbers were good. They yeah. were the, Vegas, they know. They know. They, yeah, they, <laughs> they they know what they're doing. Um I look at I look at this schedule and I look at what they've lost in terms of, you know, Hennon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, what they're bringing in in the transfer portal. Again, I think Josh Heupel um building off of the momentum from last year. I'm going $75 on the over on I think they're going to be I don't think I don't see Tennessee as this team that is going to take like a huge step back. And this is another conversation. But, you know, there's a lot of discourse right now about Georgia's schedule and how weak it is. And I'm like, I don't feel like people are giving Tennessee enough respect and how difficult of an opponent they could be for Georgia. I think that there is a thought that they're losing the marquee players from last year. So they're just going to regress back to what Tennessee has been. And I don't think that's going to, to be the case. Georgia and Alabama are really difficult games, obviously, but the rest of the schedule, I don't know if I see a team that's going to be able to, to really push them. So I am taking the over on, on Tennessee. I feel like, you know, at worst 10 and two, um, potentially better than that if they could catch a Georgia or a Bama slipping. Yeah. What do you got for us? Yeah, no, I think you nailed it, honestly. I think it's like we all I think some it's it's almost counterintuitive to what you're just saying about like your Bama and Georgia's losing all these guys. But I feel like it's a little bit with Tennessee of like they lost the flashy positions, but I, I feel like they have decent people in place there and I still like the infrastructure a lot. And I think sometimes we focus too much on the flash. Um I'm not as confident, like I, I really struggle with this one, so I'm just going fifty dollars, but I am gonna go on the over, especially just because their schedule isn't that horrible um i don't i wouldn't i i don't think there's many worlds where i see them getting 11 you know for example but at the same time i i, I do like and also i go back i'm a you know i'm a big sp plus guy i know sp plus is harder to use in this era of portals and what and portal and you know transfers and whatnot but I, they have them number six overall this year so it's like sometimes they they do know a little bit more about the returning production than like we think off the top of our head so i'll go 50 dollars over well, continuing a theme, yeah, I'm going go to go 75 on the under. Uh, here's oh. the deal. Mm. I, there is a world in which Tennessee crashes this and, and really totally. has another breakthrough year. I think 11 wins is actually on the table for this team. Yeah. Um, that wouldn't shock me. I think what people are underrating with Tennessee is they didn't have a ton of portal ads but Keenan Peely at linebacker gives them a huge upgrade. Yep. I think Dante Thornton from Georgia is a great fit for this offense. Brew McCoy, Squirrel White. I don't think they're going to miss a beat at receiver. I think they'll be fine. Now Milton, I just think there's there's some there's clunkers looming. I think yeah. Milton is a really big time talent. He's going to have some be, like unreal like yes, we're talking about yeah. like we talked about Anthony Richardson games and there's going to be yeah. the dart he threw in the back of the end zone in the Orange Bowl. One of the better throws I've seen like all year like that was insane he can do some really special things can he do that consistently we will see i talked to joey halsley uh, with some uh, a little bit of depth uh for a while at the at the orange bowl miami a, a while back and they've really worked i talked a lot about milton just like you know the things that cost him the job in 21 and th sort of thrust Tennessee into where it landed last year. They've worked on a lot. And sometimes it's just as simple as like 
hey, in this offense, like we saw it last year, you're going to have guys that are open by like eight yards. Just put it up in the air. Let them run under it. Like you've got a huge margin of error. You don't have to throw it on a rope every single time and show all this off. Just let. And I think when you saw them play Clemson, you saw him do that a lot. Uh, he hit. Uh, I want to say it was Squirrel White. Yeah, Squirrel White. He hit uh, down the field a couple times. Uh, he had a couple overthrows as well. It's going to be some frustration, but I think ultimately you're going to get a clunker there. I think you 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 run up against the schedule. At the end of the day, they're still along with Auburn, the only team in the SEC that has to play Georgia and Alabama every single year. Like, that's tough. It took, you know, some miraculous stuff last year. It beat Alabama. Now you got to go to Tuscaloosa. That's going to be tough. Even in Knoxville, it's still Georgia. They could easily win that game and not really shock anybody. But I think we saw this offense, when it goes up against personnel that can match it man for man, athlete for athlete, it's got some issues. And then, of course, when you can't protect and you can get a rush with four guys, which I think George is going to be able to do, you have problems. So that, and then you're just going to play a bunch of losable games. I think you trip up in one of those two places. I think it's at, almost best, like, you, at best you split Georgia Bama. It's almost like I think to agree with you in a way. It's almost like I think their odds of winning 10 games and winning seven games are the same. It's like I think there's a lot of ways where this year could go wrong, and I think there's a lot of ways where it goes really right. So I'm with you. And the Florida Juju, like – Florida, yeah, not a great not team this year, but you still got to go to Gainesville, which has been a house of horrors for them. Even when Tennessee has had the better teams, like how many times have we seen that? Like, we'll see. And last year, Tennessee was great. Florida was not great. It still felt like Tennessee was like teetering on the edge of like, you're a couple plays away from losing this ballgame, even though you're such a much better team, a much better yeah. team than Florida. And that will be the case again. Um, so we'll see. And then, of course, you get A&M on the schedule. Not the greatest crossover opponent. Uh, I think you'd much rather draw, you know, what, a first-year coach in Mississippi State. You know, A&M at the end of the day, we'll get to them. They have their issues. Talent is talent, and talent sometimes can shine. Uh, Kentucky will be will be tricky as well. Um, you know, Virginia will be interesting. I kind of assumed, because I was in Charlottesville last year after the shooting, that I would be covering that game, and then – uh, a young whippersnapper by the name of Deion Sanders crashed the party. I don't think I'm going to be at the Tennessee Virginia game in Nashville this year. I'll, I'll hand that one over to Rex Road. Uh, <laughs> we take a dip here. Uh, yeah, a whole two the, game dip. Yeah. Yes. Right. I'll kick us off with Ole Miss. I wanted to go big, but I, I, I just in general, uh, we ran out of we ran out of saving bucks, so I had to go a little bit more conservative <laughs> here. Uh, I'm going 50 on the over. Brody, you were waving the flag of the Ole Miss skepticism last year. I was. The portal was not going to work. You know, all this stuff. Uh, Corral, they're going to miss him. I love what they did here, adding yeah. in the portal. Uh, I think Quinshawn Judkins, sleeper for the Heisman, legitimately could be a guy that has a 1,800, 2,000-yard season. That's on the table. I don't know that they'll get there, but, like, if that happened, I wouldn't be shocked. Lead back, no Zach Evans anymore. Judkins more than capable of carrying that. I think they'll be okay on defense. And then a quarterback, you know, I don't know how that shakes out with Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders. I think Walker Howard is probably still a year away. We'll see. Yeah, but ultimately, you're good at that position. I think I would take – would you take all three of those guys over every Bama guy? Oh. Now that's an interesting question. Maybe not right now. Like, because yeah. like yeah. Buckner's yeah. easy to dunk on, but he's still like a guy who knows how to play quarterback. You Sanders, know what I mean? like, Sanders, I like Sanders 
confuses me because I'll watch him and he'll be making this like amazing play, and then he'll have a game where he's like four of eighteen for like. He was clearly yards. hurt last year, but he yeah. was not good last year. Like yeah. definitively not good. Yeah. Yes. I'll let Kenny go so next. Either way, play. it's an interesting question, Kenny. Where do you land on the revs? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with the the over two. I think I'm betting fifty dollars on this. Um, I think quarterback. Not going to be an issue, like you said, uh, about Junkins. I think adding in Pete Golding, while he did have, I guess, an unceremonious end in Alabama, I think he is going to be able to upgrade that defense. But a lot of me picking this pick is purely a schedule play. I mean, they're getting four easily off of their non-conference. Reading it now, Mercer, Tulane, Georgia Tech, UL, Monroe. I think they can get at least four on the, the rest of their schedule. So manageable schedule. Improved defense. They're going to have playmakers on offense. So I think Ole Miss can get above seven and a half. They better watch out for Tulane. Yeah, Pratt's still tough, there. But... They lose Spears. Spears, one of the most fun players. And it's a road game, right? Yeah. yeah. I- I'd be nervous. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, they should they be. be I, think yeah. the, the, I think just, man, like when you have Judkins just running at you, like the, the pace that they're going to play at, obviously, and I think they'll dial back slightly this year, but the pace that they play at – when you have a guy that runs downhill like that, it's really another level from the like the vertical part of that. Everybody pays attention to that, but it's really an offense built off the running game. And when you have a guy that's just going to punish you, and I think they're going to lean on that this year, because uh, I don't know that they love any of those QBs necessarily, and I don't certainly don't think they're going to ask those guys to win games for them a lot. Um, but it's it's fascinating. Brody, are you going to be the lone lane hater once again? <laughs> <laughs> not not like last year. Last, yeah, okay, for context, I was like that was my most confident like I was I put real life money, I believe, on Ole Miss under last year. And <laughs> uh, and by the way, like I don't even think I was that wrong. They were kind of a fraudulent 7 and 0 and then they finished 8 4. You know what I mean? Like I don't think I was that wrong, but like Kenny said, that was a schedule play and I think it's very similar this year. This is probably the one I'm like one of the least confident about because mm-hmm. I actually agree with almost everything both of you said. Like I like the schedule. I like what they've done. I love the peak holding hire. I love how they've stabilized a lot. Like they're doing a very good job in the portal. I actually like their portal work this year better than they did last year in a lot of ways. Um, but I think like the only reason I'm going to go $50 on the under is kind of just that I love – I like the West a lot right now. That's really that's what it's about. Ten, you know, ten wins is on the board, but so is five. Yeah, that's the really West. the only reason I'm picking it. I'm not like at the end of the day, I think they're a dog against. They're at you know, road game in the Egg Bowl at Auburn, A and M. I think they lose Georgia. I think they lose LSU. I think they lose that seven and five. But like in no world am I confident in that they could win any of those. But I'm gonna, I'll keep it simple. That's why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will kick us off uh, with the Hogs. I know a thing or two about Arkansas. And I'm going 50 on the under, the seven and a half. Uh, I just don't see it. Similar, the, the West, Arkansas, just, the talent and the depth issues just showed up last yep. year. Mm-hmm. And it was very obvious. And I think also we'll see uh, how much they tweak, how much Dan Enos tweaks, how they use KJ Jefferson. But when he wasn't playing for them, Arkansas looked awful, awful. And so now, again, I'm a big believer in continuity. And you lose both coordinators. Barry Odom, maybe the most underrated coordinator. That in the is the biggest season. loss of a coordinator in massive in the entire SEC this year. Massive, is that crazy. What they were doing to teams with the drop eight scheme, like when teams couldn't figure it out, 
it was ridiculous. Did, if I recall, I think they lost to LSU last year, but wasn't that like it, a Oh, weird, well, it was like, like 2017. LSU like, LSU almost like lost totally it. Yeah. Harold Perkins single-handedly like, won that game. Yeah. Yes. So, like, when they get that, like, it, like you know, so KJ's a great player. I, I question, even as big as he is, the refrigerator filled with bricks running downfield. <laughs> like, that's still – like you, if you use him the same way that you used him last year, you're gonna have similar outcomes because he just takes a lot of hits, and I don't like anything they have behind him. Um, and so defensively, you you still obviously lose a lot, and you know, I I think it's just gonna be tough for you to get eight wins. You know, last year when you're you're dropping games to Liberty and and you just Arkansas just looked tired in the middle of the season, and when they didn't have KJ, they lost so much juice, and I. I have a lot of questions of whether or not KJ can last 12 games unless they totally change how they use him. But if you're going to turn him into a pocket passer, you're taking away one of the things he does best. So you're sort of stuck there. Yeah, I I am going to go 25 on the under because just very little confidence. But at the same time, and it sucks because I love – I think KJ Jefferson, like you could convince me on the right day, he's like the second or third best quarterback in the SEC. Like, I love KJ Jefferson. He uh, might be I the just, most accomplished guy coming back. I think he's proven in a weird way more than Jane Daniels. And like, mm-hmm. like he's proven he can be elite probably a little more yes. than Jane Daniels. Um, and by the way, give him credit. Like, they added, I believe, 10 defensive transfers. Like, it does seem like, even though they lost guys, like, it does seem like they're probably going to be a little deeper there and whatnot. I just can't get over the Barry Odom loss. I can't get over the general lack of trust in like the talent of the personnel. And it's hard to tell how good these transfers will be. So I'm, there's always an element of when you're talking about like a Western Kentucky safety that we're, we're talking out of our ass a little bit, you know, like, like of just like how much you do don't we really know. know. Yeah. Like sometimes it works great. I think like I, we talked about this on the Dion show with, uh, with Ari and Andy a while back, but like you talk to coaches and like the transfer portal is sort of the new junior college now, and that like exactly you if you can hit on fifty percent of the guys you take, you feel pretty good. If you're hitting on seventy five percent, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And yeah. it's not hard to get in that twenty percent range where you take ten guys, and by October you realize that eight of them just can't play. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. and that's a real problem. And so that like that that is where these programs that take a ton of transfers. Like you're seeing Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas took a bunch this year when you have to, rather than the plug and play, you're going to see a lot of variance. Like sometimes you'll hit them and sometimes you will not. And it will be a, a long year. <laughs> um, so real we'll quick for Taz 997. Um, I, uh, we explained at the beginning, but you might've missed it. $50. Uh, so we have $1,000 each to spend across all 1, of thousand saving bucks, Brody. Save, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> saving bucks to split across. So $50 probably is like a base unit. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Kenny, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So I'm going to go with 75 on the under. He's back. On the under. Yeah. Um, to, to y'all's point about the transfer portal, and I think Arkansas is an interesting case because they had so much attrition as well. So it's like, mm-hmm. was the attrition, was it addition by subtraction and what they're bringing in is better than, than what they had? Or is it going to kind of um, to bottom out? Um, the seven to five, the seven and a half number is really interesting for a program like Arkansas because even if they hit the under and they were seven and five, like, that's still not a, a it bad. It feels team. like a really good year for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
I have a lot of confidence in KJ Jefferson, and I know Sam Pittman by nature likes to establish things on the line of scrimmage, but you're not going to be able to win in college football if you're not great at the skill positions. And secondary was an issue last year. Uh, I have questions about what they're going to have on the perimeter at receiver. So for those reasons, I'm going with the under. Yeah, I, I, say what you want about, like, it got a little weird with these guys at the end, but, like, Miles Slusher, Trey Knox, like, dudes. And you don't have those dudes. Like, <laughs> like Trey Knox in the right world, like, is a game-changing player. And uh, it just that's a, that's a big loss to me. Uh, all right. I got to lead this one off. because we're, I haven't gone we're, first we're, once yet. I've noticed this. We've, um, we've reached feels- the Aggies, Brody. We've reached the Aggies. I could not believe this number was seven and a half. I could not believe it. A hundred saving bucks on the over. Yeah. I'm gonna get I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna do it again. Listen. I am also one of the dollars on the over. They're not a preseason top ten. I get all that. But for a team this talented to be to have that kind of expectation, like last year was an anomaly. I get all this stuff, but like last year they had a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, our, our colleagues Sam Khan and, and Andy Staples chronicled it well. Give me like the Aggies, I think, can go win eight or nine games, and the ceiling yeah. obviously is gigantically high. Obviously, our guy Bobby Petrino, uh, one another interesting addition. I think if you're effective, all the personal stuff, like all of the egos and all that stuff, it sort of disappears. And I think that when you have just purely Connor Wigman, who I'm a huge advocate of. Evan Stewart, in a terrible offense last year, looked fantastic. Wegman showed some some pieces. Like, seven and a half. The fact that Arkansas and AM have the same over-under is wild to me. So I went 100 on the over for the Aggies. I, I feel very confident on this. Eight and a half, I would have had to think about it. Yeah, I, you know, like we were joking before the show of how like we had to like mess with our numbers a lot because we're trying to make them fit a thousand. I originally had two hundred for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's and then I actually appreciate a lot of our commenters pointing out that like Caesars and a few other apps have it eight and a half. So I think BetMGM might just have a. They probably a, tweaked the juice on those numbers. Though, yeah, exactly. It's a great point, and I would pay juice on seven and a half. Oh my goodness, because I do love that. I mean, the better question is almost like, would we take over eight and a half? I think my gut might be yes. And That's it's like it's a healthy place to be where we often get way too carried away on AM of thinking like they're a top five team when and like I mean I will tell you right now, I was I put so I was so all in on them going under last year on that nine and a half, and obviously it hit. And and this year it's just kind of a little bit of an over aggression because they are number seven, I believe, in Bill Connolly's returning production metric, which is such a good tool. Uh mm-hmm. and they, and and the even they're 35th in SP plus, but that's not really indicative because to your point, there is like no conceivable way that it is just as broken as it was last year. Like all data from last season is broken of how. And I think with that, with that returning production stat, you also have to almost grade that on a curve in the. Yes. Because of how bad it was. 80. Well that, and like, I'm just saying like now, like what 80% in 2017 and 60% in 2023 should be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because everybody's losing guys. And just to bounce off this, this returning production is more talented. Like just in terms of ratings and all that stuff, like it's the most talented returning production. So those guys might actually go up even more exponential. Uh, Yeah. And I like Wegman. I actually like the Petrino thing is so polarizing and I get it, but people forget Petrino has just been cranking out great offenses for a long time. You can, he's got good players. He's got great players. Like 
what go watch them when they played Arkansas last year, Missouri State. Like they had Arkansas absolutely in like a torture chamber for three quarters. <laughs> yes. Like they could not get stops in that game. It was very funny to watch. And then Rocket Sanders happened, but it is what it is. Like it, again, you can say all you want about like uh Petrino and like question all these play callers and all that. If you've got dudes that are the X's that are on your playbook, it looks a lot better. And yeah. he's going to have some dudes and he's got a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and I just think, I mean, it like it's the best quarterback he'll have had since Lamar, probably. Yeah, I don't think right. Yeah. Close. Yeah. I don't, was he no. still there? Did he cross over with, with Malik Cunningham? No, that was Satterfield. I'd, here, still, so, I'd yeah. still probably take, I'd still probably take Wegman over Malik Cunningham, quite frankly. So At least like the ability to be here. Yeah. And that, you know, if you start there, I'll just say the less Jimbo is involved in Texas A&M's offense, the more games they will win. That's a big yeah. caveat though. Like, it is a big it is a very big <laughs> That's big. <laughs> it's true. It's so, like, yeah, man. Like, if if we're sure James Harden won't collapse in a game, I love the Sixers. And I'm like, all right, guys. But look at what we're what we're asking about here. I uh, I'm taking the over as well. I think. Um, How much though? I have fifty on this. Uh, okay. so Did I you write of, it all down physically? I love that. So I'm doing. So I'm going on a calculator. I, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you are winging it. You are winging it. I'm like subtracting. I'm like subtracting. I had a pretty good idea of mine. I'm not gonna lie to the people though. I accidentally hit the little like AC button, so now I'm back at zero. So I really don't know where I'm at. <laughs> you like listening back to the earlier part of the episode while we're talking. Like, what did I say? I think I was around like five, six hundred, whatever. I'm gonna go fifty on this because I was seventy five on Arkansas. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that A and M is just a team highly motivated coming into this year. I think that a lot of the the noise and the hype around what they were supposed to be last year kind of got to the the team a little bit. Um, and this is a bit of a of a correction type of year. I do like the Bobby Petrino hire, and I do feel like Jimbo is going to take less reins of the offense. I feel like in some ways last year was probably like somewhat of a humbling experience for him. I'm sure he still has an ego, but I think he recognizes and understands that if he wants to to compete in the West, that he's going to have to to give something up here. So he's. I imagine it's going to be like, you know, like in movies or whatever, where you're like, hand this thing over and the person like having it in their hand is like, Holding it off like don't want to let it go, but I feel like Jimbo's gonna let Petrino do his thing, and I'm taking the the over on A and M. Word of advice for Bobby Petrino: Beat Miami, beat Miami, and things get a lot better for you. Lose to Miami, and we're back on track for. Listen, I I talked to a lot of coaches this off season about A and M. There is a lot of skepticism about the NIL factor of A and M and whether or not that can work in the locker room. We'll see if you can if you can put the they were such a disaster last year. If you can put this together, I think you you go a long way in saying this is a winning model. And we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we got to start packaging these because we're gonna go super super long. I got so one. I, will, I got one really strong one. Left. Let's go, Brody. Give it to us. <laughs> yeah, we do got to hurry up though. I'm going two hundred dollars on Auburn over. Um, I love this Auburn team. Um, no. You're wrong, David. <laughs> You're wrong. Okay, they bring back a lot more than people realize. Also, like turnover regression is a very real thing. They were like 122nd in turnover margin last year, and we all watched that team. A lot of weird, weird stuff happened. Um, I believe – I forget which metric it is, but they're one of the top 30 in returning production. I think Hugh Freeze isn't 
Hugh Freeze is a very flawed coach. I think like he is a sporadic coach is the best way to put it. Where like his great moments are great and his bad moments are bad. But also let's we talk about schedule a lot. Arkansas has New Mexico State, Vanderbilt, Sanford, Cal, and UMass. That is five wins right there. Call me crazy. And then I think they are good enough to beat an Ole Miss, to beat a Mississippi State, to cause one of those teams to slip up on uh, the one of the better teams. So that is probably my favorite pick on the board is Auburn over six and a half. I think I'll they give can you win this- eight. I'll give you the schedule. I went 25 under on Auburn, mostly because the Brian Harson recruiting or lack thereof, the, the, the dude index is very low in Auburn and Auburn right now. Not a big pay. We Thorne saw how the end of the year with Cadillac, like it's like, there's not dudes and they bring a Matt lot felt, of them back. Listen, I, not a lot of dudes, but like for all they did in Cadillac, I think that program was just so dead that it wasn't like they were world beaters late in the season. They just showed some life. And they and like I just think when they play the top third of the SEC, it's going to be problems for Auburn. It's going to be well, problems. Let's put a real wage down, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. Kenny's the tiebreaker here. All yeah. right. I'm going over on Auburn. Low confidence, though, with only 25. That's fair. I respect mm-hmm. that. Like I said, it's a it's a it's a volatile situation. I know we're on a bit of a time crunch here, but it could go either way. But I have um, Hugh Bill Athletics going to be so mad. Yeah, Hugh Freeze is proving <laughs> he can win in the SEC. So I'll go the um, the over barely seven feels like a like the the sweet spot here. So twenty five on yeah. Auburn over six and a half. I think at the end of the day, I just don't believe in their ceiling at all, and I do believe in their floor. I, actually do. I think it can be really bad at the start. I just think this is not like a very talented Auburn team compared to the Auburn teams that we saw even at the end of the Gus era. So that's whoa, I'm Catherine. Thinking. Catherine coming in with a he's under five hundred winning percentage. Yes, thank play. you. Okay, he was at Ole Miss. Like I think, like Ole Miss isn't supposed to go six and three every year in the SEC. Yeah. Like, come on. He, he had some things rolling at Ole Miss though. In that, yeah, one. he had some top ten teams. He won a Sugar Bowl multiple times. Like Catherine, <laughs> I'm right. Oh, you are right. Ole Miss was beating Alabama. Like this, that was that was a thing. Like Matthew C. D- I will say that in our in our three star U project that we did, Matthew C. makes a good point that when everyone's paying players, Hugh Freeze is just another guy. The recruiting classes that they had together, yeah, Laramie Tunsil, Robert Kimdiche, uh, uh, DK Metcalf. Like the amount of dudes that they had rolling out there that got there under somewhat dubious uh, circumstances and then turned into, like, great pros, like, at big-time draft yeah. picks. Like, can you do that? I think you can at Auburn. Auburn can you do Auburn's that in the new afraid. world? I don't know. I don't think they're going to be afraid to cut a check, though, either. But everyone's cutting checks in the SEC. Second off, you, I do think sometimes we, like, because people pay players, like, you think that's the only reason they ever got a player. I think Hugh Freeze is a good recruiter. Like, there's, like, a lot of evidence yeah. of that. That's not the I point agree. we're dealing – we're arguing here, but still. Yes, um, anyway – I feel I'm like I have go, no like super strong takes after this, so we can go speed okay. if we want to. Yeah. I have a I'm gonna Unless go Kenny heavy. has a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> I'm driving the bus on Kentucky right now, 75 over on six and a half. I'm just a believer. Like I'm hundred dollars over. Line, I think uh, I think the offensive line will improve. Big Devin Leary guy, I think he's the best quarterback in the portal. I think Liam Cohen, like Rich Scangarello, they were so predictable. Like a combination of being predictable and poorly executed. <laughs> That's that's a tough place to be. Those are those are Tennessee twenty nineteen or twenty twenty levels of uh, of difficulty of trying to do anything offensively. So yeah. I think there'll be a big upgrade 
you know, I, I just a believer in them. Of course, the speed at the receiver, big time Barry and Brown fan. Uh, Huge. Rodriguez back. Like, I just think. Wait, it, wait, wait. Where do you think Barry and Brown ranks in your SEC playmakers list? Like, I'm blanking on the top playmakers. He's like, scary, and we haven't even like really one or seen two, him and I'm yet. just forgetting someone obvious. I'd have to track because I don't. Even, I don't even know if he enrolled early last Please year. Please so Maybe somebody in the comments. Can, the commenters can 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 check us on that. But like, but he like might be my favorite. Yeah. Last year you watched him and you're kind of like he doesn't really know what he's doing and he's still like <laughs> amazing. Like this guy's like unreal and you can just kind of see like ah, I don't know. Uh, and then I went also over on South Carolina. Twenty five. They make me nervous yeah. because like they're just so inconsistent. Like last year, like. The, the, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of South Carolina, like for them to go back to back and not really in fluky ways, just beating Tennessee, beating the, the brakes off of Tennessee and then beating Clemson. Like what was it? A, was that a week later or two weeks later? Uh, yep. Anyway, I think South Carolina has a lot of upside, but, and I do love, you know, you keep juice wells, you know, Rattler back again, continuity, continuity. Didn't love the dialogue and so see higher, uh, but we don't want to get. I read your article, Gene, right now. So, <laughs> Kenny, anytime Wolf's we can bring that back. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> I read your article, Gene. Uh, anyway, so South Carolina, I, I'm tentatively over. I I think they have a very big variance this year. Uh, I'm scared of the fall off, like the four win season that could happen, but I think they could get to eight or nine. That's plausible. Uh, Culture is great there, I think, right now, and that that means a lot. Um, yeah, I'm a hundred dollars on over of um, Kentucky. I won't go further. You pretty much hit all my points. I just really do mm-hmm. buy in on that team. Um, I'm actually this is a really weird one. You're probably gonna laugh at, but a lot of numbers really like Missouri. I am a hundred dollars on over Missouri six and a half. Um, I just I, I think there's a lot of turnover regression stuff there. Uh, Colin Wilson at the Action Network, someone who I really trust, and uh, I think he does really good predictive analytic work. And I believe he has them more in the sevens. So I do like that one. And then um, I'm with you, though. Like, I have no confidence on Florida. So I did five and a half over 25, but with just zero confidence. Um, I have – wait, I want to hear your thoughts on Mississippi State. Because I have $25 on Mississippi State, and I have no idea why. Like, I don't even know why. I like I'm Kevin – I think Kevin Barbe was a really good hire. Okay, I'll trust I you. Just, yeah. I just wonder, like, when a program goes through a trauma like that, and we haven't really seen that – and like, and they also violated my golden rule of coaching hires in that I get it, but also if no one else in your division would hire that guy as the head coach, don't hire that guy as the head coach. I love yeah. Zach Arnett as a coordinator. I think the three three five scheme he's got going like just kills it. I have some questions about the dudes. Like they lost a lot from last year. In general, though, I, I just structurally, it's the, the degree of difficulty is so hard because like. Zach Arnett walking into that situation, being a head coach, that's that's hard. That's asking a lot. Um, so I just think that that can catch up to you in time. And Mississippi State's a tough place to learn how to be a head coach. All right. Now it's to me. Uh, like I said, I really have no idea how many dollars I have left. So I'm just going to give myself. <laughs> I actually appreciate the transparency. I'm just, <laughs> just going to give myself. What do we have? What do I have? Seven teams left. I don't think I've talked about. I'm going to give myself 450. I feel like that's like a good number. That sounds also, about right. Sure. Because I want to check back this later. How about you just give us your takes and then it is your homework after the show, though, to make the math work. Okay. Yeah, there you go. All right, cool. So. I got uh, I got seventy five on Kentucky over. I mean, I just look at their schedule and I feel like they could start five and zero. And the number yeah, is agreed. It's number six and a half. Um, South Carolina, 
25 over. Like you said, Jekyll Hyde is going to be so tough in their non-conference. I mean, North Carolina to start Clemson at the end, you got to feel like they got to split those to, mm-hmm. to that seven number. Missouri taking the under on them, but I still feel like they're a bowl team at six and six. Um, under on Mississippi State, I'll put 50 on that. Love it. Florida. I don't I like the, the vibes coming out it's of It's probably right the now. most impossible <laughs> team to handicap. I oh think. My like God. It might be yes. number one. Yeah. I yes. just, uh, so with Florida, it just comes down to like, I don't, Brody. It's just do they get better? Familiar. You know what I mean? You're, it's just did they get better? Right. You're exactly. more familiar with Billy and, Napier than, than both of us are. What's the deal? What, like, what we, what is happening? I trust Billy Napier in the overall program building point of view. I like um, him on the macro level, but on the micro exactly, level, there's exactly, like a bunch of issues. <laughs> it's a lot of issues right now. I, I completely agree. And we've talked about this on a few episodes before. There is something funny about how much I remember Scott Strickland of Florida, like so much of the theme of the last few years has been like press conference being like, nobody's better aligned than us. We are the alignment school. Nobody's better aligned. And it's like, you don't need to get aligned. Their defense. Yeah, nice. Nailed it. But also like Rashada, all that. Not a lot of alignment. Um, yeah, I guess it really comes – picking it over, which I do have the over and I'm not confident. Like I feel like a lot of it really is just being like, do you trust his staff and them as coaches to like make – because they have a lot of returning people back, but it's like what's your confidence level? They're going to be good. I do think he's a good enough coach to get that team better. But yeah, And is – how how much or you know can the office staff elevate Graham Mertz? You know, I saw right? a lot, I saw no a lot idea. of when I was when I was at Iowa covering the the Hawkeyes and saw him. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I was, uh, people who who didn't watch a lot of Wisconsin games last year just go back and watch Graham Mertz from from last season. The so. welcome wagon could have been a bit more uh, <laughs> enthusiastic in Gainesville. Right. <laughs> and and I'll say this: listen. Opt-outs, all that stuff. People want to say, well, the bowl games don't matter. Are you sure? Like, are you so, yeah. sure that bowl yeah. game doesn't matter? Because it it kind of matters if you just get punked by an average Pac-12 team. Like, I don't know why. Like, it just feels like this has got to – this Florida team, I just don't see the upside. And that's yeah, like – I think that's the problem. When's the last time you could yeah. say that about Florida? Like, they've had their flaws. They've been up and down. But I feel like they always, like, scared you. They had some upside. I don't Elias know. Gray. Famous commenter for us. Very good. I think yes. just nailed it. Nailed it. I don't even yes. know what Florida is. And I think that nails, like, that's it. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Yeah. If you ask me to be like, what are they good at? What are they even bad at? I don't know the answer. Yeah. And yeah. that is maybe the truth. Yeah. Uh, okay. I did. I will hit. I, I went Missouri under for 50. I get some of those numbers, Brody. But mm, they didn't fix the quarterbacks. You lose Bush Homden, who basically took over play calling duties last year. Really yeah. helped them. And... I I think they probably get to six, but seven is is going to be an uphill an uphill battle. Um, I so. think I I got twenty five on Florida over barely at six. Yeah, here's um here's um a hot hot take. We we were due for a hot take. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going a hundred on Vanderbilt over. Three. I wanted to do this. I wanted back. to go big on Bam. Or big on Vandy. I'm going fifty dollars under. I'm going. Over, I think. Honestly, there's a chance they might be able to run it off in the first four. In the first four, that's weeks, the thing. Yes. Which uh, I know yeah. it's, it's can you do it then? Yeah, they lost to Hawaii last year, so it's like this game is yeah. like okay. 
you it should be a win, but it wasn't a win last year. But I just believe in what um, you know Clark Lee is doing. I thought he had a, a pretty good intro re- recruiting class, and I just feel like they're due for more wins than they than they've had. That's not to say that yeah. they're you know going to go to a bowl game or whatever. But three and a half, I can give Vandy four wins. So I'm going to hundred on on Vanderbilt over. Yeah, you I'm look going at the last under, year, but- people forget like. They beat Kentucky and Florida. Yeah, Florida and you say, very true. say whatever yeah. you want about those two teams, Vandy beat Kentucky and Florida in the same season. Like, that's yeah, I wild. Mean, I think my I thing think is you like, build the culture. I, I had a lot of concerns about Vandy when I read our colleague Pete Sampson's all access piece the first game when they lost yeah. to East Tennessee State. I was like, oh boy. I was like, is he going to make it to the end of year one without a, like a team revolt? Like, what's going to happen here? And for them to keep fighting at the end of 2021. Yeah. And then last year, that for them to really and they did it in a fun way, you know, really rally and play and get some get some fruit for their labor. I think that goes a long way in the offseason. And then of course, like Swan and all that. I, I think they can I, I think Vandy, I wanted to go big on Vandy, but I ran out of money. So I went fifty on the over. I'm the under just very because easy. I think there's an element of like I love what they're doing. I actually trust Clark Lee in the grand scheme of things. I just think sometimes there's like a thing of like Someone impresses. We assume there's going to be just like this linear improvement, which, by the way, there probably is. But doesn't mean that linear improvement means like you're suddenly beating, I don't know, Tennessee or something. Like you know what I mean? Like you don't have to get to four though. That's true. At the end of the day, though, I think they stay at three. Like I love what they're doing, and I don't think if they go three and nine, it means like Clark Lee's not doing a good job. But I just at the end of the day, like I don't think what they did well last year is like indicative of necessarily like a team that's playing great. That's the only reason, but yeah, yeah. I went fifty on that. Uh, so, per tradition, even though we're we're running over, uh, we got to get some some grits in. I did Ooh, in yes. Chicago last week. I had never had Portillos, and I had to I had to consult our well, he's still our colleague, but Colton Pouncey, who Kenny got to meet in Chicago. Colton just sort of comes to the summits. Uh, Top five morale guy yeah. at the company. Like, Fantastic. Truly. Yeah. I love Colton. But Club Colton, is a, Colton yeah. is a Chicago guy at heart. I had to text him. I said, hey, is Portillo's actually good or is it a tourist trap? Because I'm not sure you could convince me either way. He said, no, 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 it's good. And one of the one of the great Italian beef sandwiches of my life. I have had in Dallas, where I lived for most of the last decade, I had a lot of bad Italian beef sandwiches. And I had become jaded to the genre it's like I, I told people I felt like a person in Michigan saying they didn't like barbecue. Like, I know I'm not getting the good stuff, yeah. but, like, I've had too many bad Italian beef sandwiches, and I had one there, and it was outstanding. That was probably Dude. the best thing I've eaten in quite some time. Dude, I – Catherine – thank you, Catherine, for saying Colton does good stuff on lines. <laughs> yeah, um, I have been on the road for 12 days, as, as you guys know. Uh, bachelor party in Wisconsin, work thing in Chicago, as we've said, and then uh, uh, you know I had to be with some family in New Jersey. But I have been crushing. I'm, I'm gaining so much weight, it's not okay. But I had cheese curds in Wisconsin, the Mars Cheese Castle, just elite curds, no notes. The like uh, raw ones or the fried ones? Fried cheese curds, fried yeah, okay. of course. Like, raw again. ones, though, raw, if you get the right raw curds, they do. Oh, a good raw. cheese curd raw is still delightful. Legit. Yeah. Um, Chicago, I ate great, but I had this uh, really great Mediterranean restaurant called Emma that I got takeout one night. Uh, it was like EMA. I don't know how you pronounce it, but just delightful. And then I was in Jersey, and I got to eat. I got Wawa twice. I got a Primo Hoagie, which is my favorite Italian hoagie in the world from Primo's. And then I had just my favorite hometown slice from Riviera Pizza in Medford, New Jersey. 
I ain't good these last 12 days. And that's Matthew all I want to Matthew C. in know. the comments giving us a Lou Malnati. I have good news for you, Matthew C. <gasps> Lou Malnati. Lou Malnati actually, actually catered our main staff meeting on Tuesday, uh, courtesy <laughs> of our intrepid editor, uh, Jill Thaw. Mm. Lou it was Monty. delicious. I'm not like a big Chicago. Like I like it's Chicago not my dish. thing, but yeah, I, like it. I wouldn't describe myself as a enthusiast, but I like it. It was very good. I'd never had Lou Malnati. I put Malnati's over Giordano's though. Yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, the buttery crust—you can't beat it. Kenny, best thing you ate in Chicago before we get um, outside of Luminati's, which is is great. Um, so we went to um, Weber Grill. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did we not talk about this? You forgot about. The I know Weber we're like Grill. an hour ten, and our editor oh, was man. Kill us. I mean, Somebody informed me. <laughs> Somebody informed me that I think it was might have been Andy or Ari that said that it was a chain restaurant, nicest chain yeah. restaurant I've ever been to. Like I grew up, my chain restaurants are like Outback, Applebee's, Chili's, not that. Like yeah. I walked in and I was like, wow, this is like an impressive. Nicole was roasting us bread. for going to Weber Grill, which was and we went partially like as a bit. Like we it went was like, halfway a bit, but cheek. like. But it was no, really it was good. Going crazy. No, it was going so crazy. I got a ribeye. We ended up we, we went to Chicago. I'll give a brief story. So we were at a like we all kind of got in town. We were congregating at this bar, and Manny Navarro, our Miami Miami writer, <laughs> somehow he loves this pork chop that he gets all the time at Weber Grill when he comes through Chicago, which isn't that like, often for a Miami writer. They're yeah. like this big. It sounded very good. And I remembered that I had actually eaten at Weber Grill like 14 years earlier. I had a very positive experience, and it was within walking distance of the hotel. So pretty much our entire staff ended up going to <laughs> it was like Weber Grill. <laughs> it was very fun. I told him, listen, it is very funny. It is extremely gimmicky, but it's pretty good food. And Sponsor it's better trying to figure out where we all want to go. I enjoyed my time there. I think I had just like a regular steak. Yeah, I had the steak and fries. It was quite good. And the elite ribeye, like fantastic. Yeah. It was really good. So anyway, uh, great time in Chicago. We got to hang out with Kenny, got to see Brody, got to see our whole staff. It's always great to get to go. I didn't get to go last year because I was getting ready to have a baby. Not me personally, but uh, yeah, yes. Uh, but uh, the good news is uh, I am taking some time off this week because her first birthday is around the corner. So we're very excited. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to a supersized show. Of football and grits and shout out Kenny added. for joining who got great Kenny joining. In the comments yeah yes the people were loving Kenny you'll see Kenny <laughs> I'm sure a lot this year yeah uh, covering Alabama for us uh getting in the SEC mix with us uh we'll be back we don't have any shows planned Brody but we kind of just pop in I think we should do another um, one in like two weeks let's do it if somebody gets fired somebody big gets arrested you'll probably see us on an emergency show uh, but we'll figure something out, and then uh, it's only May. What we're we're knocking on the door, of May. People are off. This is the the quietest time of year in the college football sphere. But we're only Brody. Well, we have SEC meetings. Wait a too. second. Should we do a mailbag episode? Yeah, we probably should. I think we it's time. Should. Yeah. Um, but we have uh, uh, SEC meetings this week, which I actually don't think we're going to get any resolution to any of these issues. They're just going to nope. talk to each other. Uh, Seth Emerson and, and Andy Staples will be there. I'm sure they'll have a pod from down there on the Andy Staples feed. We'll be around. We're only uh, – I'm sorry if this hurts your feelings, Brody. We're like seven weeks away from media days. Are you aware Jeez. of this? I know, right? I'm stressed I know. out. Yeah. So <laughs> the season will be – right. we got to wrap go. this show up. It's, great news for you. I'm a little – we'll see. We'll see. The season is long on this side of the fence. But anyway – Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for uh, uh, tuning in. Uh, we don't hate all of your teams, just most of them. 
for Kenny Smith, for Brody Miller, I'm David Oven. This has been Football and Grits. Thank you, guys. Uh, subscribe to the Andy Staples Pod if you don't already. Thanks.